The Informed Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman and co-host Mike Rogers is a presentation of Informed Fitness Studios, a small family of personal training facilities specializing in safe, efficient, high-intensity strength training. On our bi-monthly podcast, Adam and Mike discuss the latest findings in the areas of exercise, nutrition, and recovery with leading experts and scientists. We aim to debunk the popular misconceptions and the urban myths that are so prevalent in the fields of health and fitness, and to replace those sacred cows with scientific-based, up-to-the-minute information on a variety of subjects. We'll cover exercise protocols and techniques, nutrition, sleep, recovery, the role of genetics in the response to exercise, and much more. On this episode, Adam and Mike discuss today's science specifically in the relatively new field of exercise immunology and whether it supports the idea of remaining active and exercising, even as the incidence of new virus cases continue to grow. We've been saying it all along about exercise and how it can affect our immune system and stuff like that. Too much, too little. It's kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. you got to find what's just right. And that's what the research is showing. There is this sweet spot, and we have to kind of find a balance for each individual. Hello, everybody. Mike and I are back for another episode of this COVID-19 podcast. It's been about two weeks since we recorded that first one, and it seems like two years, quite honestly. So much has happened in this time. You know, Adam, remember, we weren't, there was a little debate over whether we were going to stay open a little bit in the beginning because we are not actually classified as a gym. And I, I could be wrong about this, but I heard anecdotally that the first phase of the rollback to normalcy, I think gyms are included with that. I think that they see that it's very, very important for people to be getting their body moving. It's for their for their overall health. But I've talked to all the clients uh, all week, and um, they are finding incredible value in what we're figuring out how to do with them in this setting. But a lot of them, uh, they can't wait to get back on some of the machines. Like I have some people that. They want those machines back, you know, and uh, that's just the way it is. I do. I spend a lot of time doing spine exercise with our clients, with our neck extension machines and our lower back machines. These are tools that is very, very hard to replicate, especially when you're not with somebody. To, to tell somebody over the phone or over the internet how to do an esoteric and somewhat riskier type of exercise, such as the neck or the lower back, it becomes problematic and, and, and we're missing that. I mean, hey, the whole reason I started Informed Fitness in the first place is because I thought we'd be able to apply exercise a lot better than the conventional ways. You know, everything we're doing over the, over the internet are conventional ways of exercise using conventional tools. And used properly, you can have a very good workout. But that wasn't enough for me in the long run. For me, I wanted to just do something that, that you can't get anywhere else. But that's another topic. Uh, I am finding that, Mike, that, you know, this is this is a good, even better than good. It, it's a very good stimulus for exercise. But like you said, they're, they're missing some of the cool stuff that we have, which kind of brings us to the topic about wh- why are we imploring that our clients continue their exercise program? Well, you know, when I started a business uh, back in 97, very soon thereafter, I read a book called The E-Myth. I don't know how many people remember that. It was a very popular book, major, major bestseller by Gerber. When I read that, I realized that what we sell is not necessarily exercise. I mean, that's our product, 
the E-Myth made me ask this question. If you had asked me before I read the E-Myth what we sell as informed fitness, I would have said exercise, personal training, exercise. That's our product. What we really actually sell is freedom, freedom from injury, freedom from too much time spent exercising. And that also includes, you know, freedom from illness as a result of overtraining or not training enough. That's what we're going to talk about today. Exercise and its effect on our immunity. I couldn't think of a more salient conversation about immunity during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. Not to say that we're giving medical advice, <laughs> for sure, but it, it is an interesting subject to find out what, what we know now about exercise and its effect on our immunity. To be fair, let me start by saying it, it's not conclusive. There's a lot of evidence pointing towards the benefits of certain amounts of exercise, but it's certainly not conclusive. There are a lot of confounders and a lot more research that has to be done. Now, speaking of research, immunology has been really catching up in the last 10, 20 years. And immunology and how it relates to exercise is a relatively new field, and we're learning a lot on a regular basis. Why I think it's so salient right now is because now that people are basically home, not able to go to the gym, not able to do even go to a park at this point. A lot of places, even parks are being closed. Although recently I heard we're recording this podcast today on the uh, 20th of, of April. And uh, I'm hearing now that certain states, certain areas are actually opening up parks. However, most parks are still closed and people are, are either doing one or two things as a result of just being home and not working. They're either not working at all, eating like crazy, going back to all the comfort foods, then you have those types that are just like bored as can be and they're just exercising, exercising, exercising. Even if it's right in their house, jumping jacks, going crazy, treadmills, whatever they're doing, going out for long runs even. Both scenarios are not good. Sitting on your duff, feeling sorry for yourself is not very good and overcompensating is also not very good. There's a long history of understanding exercise's effect on our health, especially over-exercising. And really, I think the idea of how exercise affects our health, particularly our immune system, kind of started back in the early 1900s when a doctor kind of started looking at marathon runners and started realizing that white blood cell counts were way out of whack. Their inflammation is way out of whack after a marathon. And that kind of set off the whole idea and research on how exercise actually affects our immune system. I want to talk about some of that science and, and what we're finding in general. I think Mike will agree that, you know, we got to find that Goldilocks position, that point. Not too much, not too little. In exercise science and immunology, they, they refer to the J-curve. This is kind of a popular concept, which is basically a graph of what happens to your immune system, particularly upper respiratory infections, compared to how much exercise you do. So normal people in normal activity have the baseline level of infections, upper respiratory infections. People that are completely sedentary have a higher incidence of upper respiratory infections. And then people that overtrain over 60 minutes a day, five days a week at pretty high levels of intensity have also been shown to have high, higher levels of upper respiratory infections. When you graph it, it looks like a J. For baseline, no exercise goes down. Moderate exercise, infections go way down. And then all of a sudden, start shooting, the infection starts shooting up again once you start adding a lot of overexercise, which is basically what our premise has been all along, following that J-curve, telling our clients, be active, don't overtrain, 
Intense bouts of exercise is good, but not too much of it. And that should lead to a very healthy existence, particularly with your immune system. Yeah, and, 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 every, and everything, it's a balancing act with, uh, with the immune system, with orthopedic concerns. You know, we, we've mentioned this on many podcasts before, and we talk about it in consultations, uh, about dose response. Right. And, uh, and that's the amount. The part that I find the most interesting is that what we're saying broadly is absolutely true, but how do you troubleshoot to find what is applicable to different people? Because some people can do quite a bit more than other people. Certain types of exercise, they're going to have more adaptive results to. And other people, they just don't get motivated by doing it certain ways. It's kind of finding the balancing act. I mean, our sweet spot is people who are looking for a time-efficient safe way of doing it. And that's why we've kind of stumbled on this methodology and it's worked out very, very, very well. But it's still, a lot of people can't go to deep failure, but we can still find an intense stimulus that is meaningful enough. And after all that, it's how do we gauge, you know, should you do it twice a week? Should you do it once a week, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's all very individual. And the other thing is there's that balance between intensity and moderation. Uh, there's also duration. So we got to differentiate between all these things. It's generally shown, the evidence is showing with all the research that I've looked at, and I've been reading a lot of papers that kind of summarize all the research. And although, of course, they don't have proof, a lot of evidence is pointing towards a fair amount of moderate activity, what they call exercise, uh, moderate exercise. I call moderate activity because the things that qualify in their brains when they define these things as moderate exercise is walking, is light bike rides, very non-intense movements, but but active activity, having a catch, gardening. These are all considered exercise by the researchers. When they are doing these studies, they're comparing people that do that with people that do none of that when they look at upper respiratory infections. That J-curve we're talking about is people that don't do gardening, that don't go on walks and don't do any of these things. They're the ones that have lower immune system. They have more upper respiratory infections as opposed to people who are just walking around and being active and getting out there, which is something that we need to do when we're told to stay at home. But then there's this brief bout of intense workout that we encourage because there are certain physiological things that happen from really intense workouts that you really can't get from just moderate exercise, like some of these anti-inflammatory uh, cytokines that get produced when you do really high intensity exercise. But the window of opportunity is very short. You can't do too much of this high intensity exercise because all of a sudden you're on the other side of that J curve again. So you got to be very careful with your, with your doses of intensity. So that's what we offer. We offer a very intense workout. And what Mike was saying about you have to really gauge and balance what's good for that person. Some people, well, some people don't even get that intense. That's okay. Some people can go very deep and sometimes you have to kind of protect them from themselves and kind of have them dial it back the rest of the week. And I've noticed a lot of people that do, they get sick from working out too much. I've seen it anecdotally. And, and the research that I'm reading really shows that the people that work out a lot all the time. A lot of them get sick, especially if they're not used to it. On the other hand, I know people that do tons and tons of exercise and they don't get sick. So the jury's still out. And I think genetics has a large, large part to do with it. Other lifestyle considerations. I mean, when I was thinking, reading all this research, I, I couldn't help but think of what they call healthy user bias, which is the people that can handle this stuff are going to do it. So we think that the exercise is making them healthy, but it's just that 
they're healthy. That's why they can do all that exercise. So looking at people that do a lot of running and they don't get sick ever, and they're considered what they would call high intensity or endurance type of high levels of exertion, and you're looking at these people and not getting sick, and you can come up with a false conclusion that it's okay to do all that exercise. But you take somebody like me and 90% of my clients, quite honestly, and you tell them to start doing an endurance athletic routine, they're going to all get sick because most people can't handle that in the long run. And that's what the research is showing, that there is this sweet spot. And we have to kind of find a balance for each individual because every once in a while we'll come across that individual that can handle more intensity, that can handle more duration, that can handle more volume. But in general, there is definitely that sweet spot for most people that they should be active, you know, jogging, walking, just be active, get out there, move your body, stop sitting all day long, and then engage in a bout of high intensity work every once in a while, of course, safely. Now, let me give you a couple of bullet points, I guess, of some of the research that I found. Mike and I can talk all day long about anecdotal observations that we've made in 20 years experience and not that they're worthless, that they definitely worth something, but it's kind of reminding me of all the talk about some of the remedies right now for COVID-19. I think Dr. Fauci is getting a lot of slack for pumping the brakes on hydroxychloroquine, where he's saying that there's no proof that it actually works. And he's not being, he's not being a douchebag. You know, he's getting a lot of criticism for that. And there's all these conspiracy theories floating around that maybe he's in, uh, the pockets of other people that, that don't want hydroxychloroquine to, to, to make it. I, I don't really see it that way. He's being a scientist. And there is no proof. Not to say that it doesn't work. It's worked for some people. But my wife, she's on the front lines right now in this whole epidemic. She works at a hospital. And she's reading reports of all the people in the uh, intensive care units right now. Half of them are responding to hydroxychloroquine. The other half are not. Some of them are are responding to immunotherapy and getting the plasma from people who have already had it. Some people are responding very well to that. Other people are not. Now, this is a small sample. It's the hospital that my wife works in. She has access to all these records. But I can tell you this. It's not working for everybody. So when Dr. Fauci is saying, hey, listen, we're looking at all this stuff. Some of it looks promising, but there is no proof that it actually works. So let's calm down and let's just let, let's follow the science. Same thing with exercise and its response to immunity. Uh, there's no proof of any of this stuff, but there is evidence. Evidence is not proof. So what are some of the things that have come up in the last 10, 20 years regarding exercise and immunity? They're saying that acute exercise improves several things. It improves the recirculation of immunoglobulins. Enhances the recirculation of anti-inflammatory cytokines, neutrophils, NK cells, which are known as natural killer cells, and immature B cells. With near-daily exercise, these acute changes operate through a summation effect and enhance immune defense activity and metabolic health. All right, so that's one conclusion, that acute exercise has all these anti-inflammatory responses for a lot of these studies. In contrast to that, high exercise training workloads, the ones I was talking about before, marathon running, working out for over an hour a day at at relatively high levels of intensity. They actually have very opposite effects, the science is showing. They're showing transient immune disruptions, inflammation, oxidative stress, muscle damage, and definitely increased illness risk, especially upper respiratory illnesses. Now, that's relevant, actually, to what's going on right now, because this is COVID-19 is definitely a respiratory disease. So if you're somebody that's not used to doing a lot of exercise, this is not the time to start doing a lot of exercise. Now is not the time to start 
engaging in, in high levels of endurance athletics because it has shown to cause a lot of lowered immune responses and oxidative stress, inflammation, and increased illness risk. Like I said, particularly upper respiratory, which is what a COVID-19 disease attacks. So the last thing you need is additional input to stress to your respiratory system when there's a disease out there that's actually attacking it. Well, you know, you mentioned muscle damage is one of the things that happens from overtraining. And the thing is, just thinking about it in a general sense, I think, you know, going in a broad way that I think a lot of people can understand is just that the effects of muscle over all the systems of our body, our cardiovascular system, our skeletal system, our endocrine system, we know that muscle is an umbrella over all of these systems. And hence why we always want to be conditioned and strong to begin with. And the thing is, when you have muscle damage, which is probably the first thing that happens from overtraining and not giving enough time for your body to recover from too much running or whatever, or too much strength training, uh, you don't see the science 100% of the time or whatever. It makes sense that we should sort of veer in the direction of finding a balance, you know? And the thing is, I mean, unfortunately, this is the this is the big thing that we have to battle against or just converse with people about. I always like to sort of ask my own you know, board of directors, which is essentially me, hey, how am I feeling? How is my strength? How are my energy levels? How do I manage stress? Am I sleeping okay? All these things. And if things are not in balance, maybe it's because I'm eating too much sugar or I'm exercising too little or too much. And it sort of starts with that. But the reason why I went off on this direction is because you mentioned muscle damage. And I think that really is... That could be the simple key to what sort of dictates all these other inflammatory issues that can become upper respiratory or whatever. You know? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, you know, muscle damage is, is a big problem. It, it leads to muscle loss and leads to injury. And uh, But without, without giving enough recovery time. You know, I mean, that's usually because you're overtraining. You're just not giving enough recovery time. And if you're not doing that, then as you said before, Adam, it's like, it's like a, the cut that you just keep on poking. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're not going to let it sort of, you know, this, exactly the scab. Exactly. It's, it's kind of one of those things where things need their time. And that's uh, part of the dose yeah, response. All, these are all variables and all the research is talking about those variables and saying that they have to somehow account for all these variables. That's why this is not conclusive stuff. These are trends that we're noticing between the general population, a bell curve, if you will, statistically speaking. There's some really promising research out there that's going to help us really uh, narrow this stuff down even more. There are a lot of confounders. There's age, there's genetics, there's sleep. Now, this is interesting because, Mike, I don't know if you're doing this with your clients, but I'm always asking my clients when I'm training them now, of course, virtually, I'm asking them how how they're sleeping. Now, of course, you have some people that, that, are, that are stressed from this situation, really stressed. And that's part of this also. Your matter of fact, I wasn't going to talk. I digress for a second. Stress is another you know, variable that, that affects your immune system, and regardless of exercise, whether you're exercising or not. So you add high-intensity exercise or overtraining to high stress. That's not a good combination. But on the other hand, there are other things that are happening, the silver lining, if you will. Like, for example, I'm asking my clients about their sleep. And because, except for the ones that are high stress, like my wife, for example, has to go to the hospital every day, God bless her, most people are sleeping better. They don't have to wake up crack of dawn and go to work. I know I'm sleeping a lot better. I mean, for me to train somebody at six in the morning, I wake up at four normally. Now I'm waking up at a quarter to six to train somebody at six. That's almost two more hours of sleep, which makes a huge difference 
And if everyone is adding another two hours of sleep to their day and still doing their job, a lot of people are finding that they're a lot more energetic. A lot of people are feeling better. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, I mean, pandemic. This thing sucks, and being quarantined at home sucks. But you, that's the thing is like we're workaholics. You know what I'm saying? We do. I uh, get up at four in the morning. We each live outside the city. Go to a, a studio that's in the city. Do a lot of clients, and then come home. And and just to answer your question, hey, I do talk to my clients about it regularly. Not every day. Usually, if there's an obstacle. If they're feeling like they're, there's obstacles to the results, it's one of the first questions I start talking about. And if they're feeling like they're not getting stronger or something like that is, is going on, we, we sort of explore that direction a little bit. Let me interrupt you for one second because you just made me think of something. That's another variable. The other variable is for sure during these times, if you're not feeling well, don't exercise. Don't work through it. Don't be a hero. Don't try to push through it. Only if you're feeling really well because studies have also shown that if you work out, when you already have an illness brewing, it actually accelerates the illness and it can lower your immune system to the point where you get hit hard. I've seen that over the years for my clients that I wrongly allowed them to work out even though they told me they weren't feeling well, that they feel a cold coming on or something like that. So don't work out if you're feeling ill. Sorry, Mike, I had to throw that in there before I forgot. No, it's all right. I mean, honestly, it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you banter. We talk, you know. It's, yeah, it's so okay. So nice. I feel like a, a, a conversation among friends is full of interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, just on a personal level, that's the thing. It's like talking about balancing out life. Like for someone like myself, I think I work way too much and I'm trying to find balance in my life. Now, the problem is I actually love to work and I love to be there for my clients and I love to do my training and stuff like that. But it does take a toll on health, and I feel that I've been sleeping so much better and feeling quite a bit better. And it's just being able to get an extra hour, an extra one to two and a half extra hours is very meaningful for uh, for me. And so there are several little positives uh, among all these very stressful times that we're dealing with, but some positives are coming out of it, especially if you're already a little bit health conscious. You probably you probably have recognized this. Yeah, so it's not all bad for sure. I mean, let me just throw out some more science uh, out there that I've got some research I've dug up. Recent studies have indicated that exercise and physical fitness diversifies the gut microbiome. That's That's been a big topic lately, especially since the plant paradox came out and all the gut biome uh, books have come out and research has come out. Good, consistent, regular exercise. And again, we mean normal activity, not, not a sedentary life, has definitely improved digestion and, and, and gut biome. So that's another great thing. For those, by the way, as you know, you know, I'm more of a low sugar, low carb type of uh, advocate, although it's not written in stone in my brain. Uh, again, speaking of diversity, some people do well on a higher carbohydrate diet, but most people don't. But for the endurance athlete, it turns out that having a higher carbohydrate diet seems to help prevent illnesses and upper respiratory illnesses as opposed to a lower carbohydrate diet. Again, this is evidence. This is not proof of anything, but it's interesting to think about. Even from a, an observational standpoint, it just makes a little bit of sense. And, and once you said before, the people who are attracted to that, they already yes. do it. Right, Their right. body probably is a little bit more adaptive to burning sugar more efficiently. So therefore, you know, I agree. probably. Uh, one other thing I want to point out that was an interesting bullet point, that habitual exercise is capable of improving regulation of the immune system, delaying the onset of immune dysfunction due to aging. 
Now, we've always been talking about how exercise uh, reverses the aging process. And the aging process is a dysfunction of many of our systems, circulatory, uh, neural, and our immunity. All right. So, again, more evidence is showing that long-term regular exercise definitely delays the onset of the aging process of your immune system, which is fantastic news. So I would think in general, if you're feeling sick, don't work out. These are some of the conclusions I'm coming up with. Don't overtrain, even though you might feel antsy and you want to get out there to relieve a lot of the stress. You're better off meditating and doing some moderate exercising. Walking. Especially, like, you know, like, like I think really taking your walks, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to walk 50,000 steps, but like get out and do a walk for 20 minutes and then come back and then go back for 15 minutes. I mean, if you're sick, you know, resting is, we all know that that's what you have to do. And let your body, you know, you know, sit in bed, try to eat nutritious food, catch up on sleep. Yeah. And for those of you that have always exercised and, and you've been exercising how we might have defined as a lot of exercises, maybe even overtrain, but if that's something you've done your whole life, then I would say carry on. You might be that outlier. If it's something that you've done for a while and you've never gone sick and you have your five mile a day run every single day for your whole life and why stop now? I don't think you're the person that has to worry about catching an upper respiratory infection. Uh, we're not talking about you. I'm talking about the person that now all of a sudden finds their life completely up, upside down, hasn't really regularly exercised, and all of a sudden now, because of the situation they're in, wants to all of a sudden take up a jogging program <laughs> and starts really pushing it because they just got to get the hell out of the house or just change up their lifestyle or reduce stress. Now, exercise reduces stress, and stress is definitely one of those things that can lower your immune system. And exercise itself is a stress. So you got to be careful. You don't want to pile on. You don't want to have the stress of the physiological stress that's going to – I should say the psychological stress of the situation you're in. Maybe you're sick. Maybe somebody that you love is sick and not doing well. Maybe you've lost your job. All these things you have to kind of take into account when you try to take care of yourself. And over-exercising can actually put you over the deep end, unfortunately. But overall, being active, clearing your head, doing some high-intensity work briefly, safely, of course, or maybe with us even. But definitely the evidence is pointing towards staying active. Now, if you've been somebody that's been regularly exercising and all of a sudden the situation of staying home has kind of put the brakes on it, I highly urge you to figure something out and to somehow pull yourself up from your bootstraps and, and get some of that regular exercise back into your life. It definitely has a positive effect on your immune system and definitely sedentary lifestyles from what I can tell right now and what the science is showing, you have a higher risk of catching something. Don't be sedentary and don't overdo it. Listen to your body. As Mike said, that's probably the most important advice we can give is uh, listen to yourself. Diet. A lot of people are reporting to me that they're just eating like shit right now. I mean, one of the reasons I ate so well and didn't have to really think too much about disciplining myself to eat well is going to work every day, training a large load and running a business. And, you know, I just didn't have a lot of time to eat. I had continued preoccupation keeping me from stuffing my face. That's gone for a lot of people, this continued preoccupation. And now they're just going to the kitchen every 10 minutes out of boredom. 
we got to put a stop to that. You got to somehow figure out how to how to deal with that, how to cope with that, because that can bring you down pretty quickly. You can get you can gain a lot of weight in eight weeks being sedentary and eating a lot of junk food. You can gain a lot of weight. I know a client's already gained twenty pounds. Twenty pounds. My my advice on that, by the way, like I just wanted to give some advice on that because I'm dealing with like a few clients right now. I'm actually personally involved in calling a couple people or texting them to start their day and say, hey, listen, do you have your plan for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And what's your plan at three o'clock to avoid your snacks? And do you need me to call you just to sort of, at two, to just sort of, hey, put just plant the seed in your head that, hey, you're accountable to me and yourself a little bit. And I think literally with things like this, it's like we need some, like your buddy system a little bit. Like, it's, I mean, you have to recognize those times of day that where you may be a little weaker and arm yourself with a little bit of, uh, help because it's hard to do this on your own. Even when you're a very disciplined person, it's a very difficult thing to do. And so I have four clients. I text on a daily basis, a daily basis. And one of my other clients, uh, she has her friend. She's on, she does Weight Watchers. It's worked out well for her. She's been, she's gained weight and she's been, since she's been sidelined by the pandemic, but she has a, a friend of hers who's been an amazing support to her. And it's been very helpful. And I, and uh, I mean, it was even an emotional session we had last week because she was really um, disappointed with how she hasn't been able to control herself after being able to, to be very disciplined for a long time and getting great results and seeing it sort of go away. So I think, uh, but she said that having that buddy has been very meaningful and I'm doing it for a handful of people also. It's just, and it's just a couple of minutes. Uh, and it, I think if it's not your trainer or me or Adam, it could be. Just someone who, you know, your sister who lives in New Jersey or your your friend who you might take a walk with, it's social distance walk with down the suburban street. These are the things that are helpful for getting you away from those little meaningless trips to the refrigerator because you just don't have shit to do, you know. By the way, before, Adam, you were saying about like what to do, where to start with, you know, you, we posted some videos on the website of, of some things that you could do with nothing at home. If, if you don't want to do like strength training or whatever, like I'd say a beginner yoga class is something that's uh, something that, you know, find it one of those Instagram ones. Those are the type of things. Get your body moving, doing some light postures and some strength training through your body weight, you know, and then call some friends who are who also want to be health conscious and do it together. That's uh, why programs like Weight Watchers actually work and uh, for salt for a lot of people. And I think that's what we need is some accountability to each other, you know, cause we're, we're stuck and we're stressed and we're, we're the same four or six people or less, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard to find those patterns, but I think that a buddy is uh, is a helpful way to start. Yeah. My wife's dealing with it that way. Actually, she has a buddy. She goes out with long walks with her. They keep their distance from each other. And uh, it's, it's such a great stress reliever for her. So we didn't come up with anything necessarily earth shatteringly new, Basically, what we've been saying for, for a while now is just the, the research is pretty much, once again, confirming what we've been telling our clients for a long time. Basically, engage in regular moderate exercise, uh, what we would call staying active. Mix in with about a brief high-intensity exercise thrown in once a week. Listen to your body, eat well, get sleep. And you'll get through it. This is uh, this is temporary and doesn't take much. We're going to post more videos of uh, some very simple workouts out there on our YouTube channel. We also came up with a uh, email address called Podcast at Informed Fitness. So please email us with questions, comments, concerns, 
If you want virtual training, we're, we're here. You don't have to come to New York anymore to, to train in our technique with our high intensity, slow motion, very biomechanically correct techniques. We'll show you how to use dumbbells, biomechanically correct, or whatever tools you have or don't have available to you. And really show you how, how a great workout can be uh, had with minimal or no equipment. So thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. This has been the Inform Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman. For over 20 years, Inform Fitness has been providing clients of all ages with customized personal training designed to build strength fast. Visit informfitness.com for testimonials, blogs, and videos on the three pillars, exercise, nutrition, and recovery.